So, good morning. We have Liletu on the line. Good morning, Liletu. Good morning. Hi. So, welcome to Radio yes. Veritas. Liletu, I know that you're also a mom with a, a special needs child. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your child? Okay. Um, uh, good morning to you and good morning to all the listeners. My name is Liletu. I'm a mother of a six-year-old boy. His name is Sia. Um, he's also but was born with spina bifida myelomeningo. So um, he's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful gift from God. He survived about close to 20 brain surgeries. Wow. He was once able to walk, and now he does not walk. He uses the rollator, the walker, and the wheelchair. He goes to a normal, lovely, um, caring crash mm-hmm. that is accommodating him and his special needs, but also it's full of kids that are able and that have no issues regarding their physics and their disabilities. So it's just a wonder. Um, I feel so blessed. I will take the whole day to tell you about him. <laughs> but all I say is we regard him as our warrior and he's taught us so much about our faith in God and, and the ability of God to make all things bright and beautiful in his own time. Wow, it sounds like he's a real gift in your heart, Liletu. Mm-hmm. Liletu, we're talking this morning about education, and so you say that he's he's placed in a crash and he's doing well in the crash, but I know mm. the grade run looms on the horizon. Does your crash feed into a school, or are you looking at how to place him, and how has that been for you? Okay, um, the, the, the schooling issue with him, it's been one roller coaster ride. Because um, the, the, the doctors have actually encouraged us as parents to have him placed in a normal mainstream school. Right. Because intellectually and otherwise he's doing fine. His IQ level is above the board. He's actually fit to go into a mainstream school. But it's his physical challenges that will actually make a mainstream school not comfortable to accommodate him. Okay. And then they would rather have him placed in a special school. So we've been uh, going through that process of having him accommodated in a mainstream school whilst um, he's he's viewed as moderately um, disabled by the doctors, but the mainstream school is actually not accommodating to accommodate his needs. So we were very lucky to approach a crash, a preschool that is closer to us, and the principal and the school government body had no issues whatsoever to accommodate him. I was sharing with my friends the other day that even when they admitted him to the crash, they even put up wheelchair ramps between classes and to go to the playground. So his wheelchair to actually go so um, freely between classes and for him to be able to play nicely with other kids. And that to us was a bonus because it's daunting to wait for the process to have your child um, admitted in the specialized school. You wait for about two to four years. Wow. The child is to, to to waiting period. And he's, he's losing academic years. He's getting behind to his peers. And sometimes the special schools that our kids get sent to are not actually accommodating their intellectual abilities. They get mixed with other kids who have really severe intellectual, mental, and other um, disabilities that you can think of, which will actually drag your child's progress and and make them not to progress as they should and enjoy the quality of life as they deserve to. So, so it's a daunting process for a parent. Right. So you're really saying here that what you want, your 
what the doctors are recommending and what you as a family want is for him to be placed in a primary school, in grade one, in mm. just any government school that's open to working to help you overcome the physical barriers that are are are, are problematic, like wheelchair ramps, yeah. so that he can mm. integrate fully into society. Yeah, because he's, uh, his crush is actually feeding a local um, primary school that is close by where his older brother is attending to. Okay. And we still have to go and approach because we had to ask the crush to enable him to repeat um, grade R this year. Because we feel um, he, he, because he was most sickly, he started grade R last year, beginning of the year. So I mean, I mean, the middle of the year. So this year, we asked them to actually have, help him um, repeat the class so that we prepare him for next year. He'll be seven when he gets to be admitted at grade one. But we're still in negotiations with the primary school to actually have them feel comfortable. To accept him, and the, the preschool is actually giving them reports and everything, because we don't see him as being disabled. We just like to view him as being enabled differently, yeah. because that's how every parent and every adult out there in South Africa should view the children who are living with disabilities. They're not actually disabled, but they are just enabled, just like other other every kid out there, but they are enabled in a different way by God. So that disability mentality is actually killing them and demolishing their self-esteem for them not to view themselves like other kids out there. But once you let your children know and understand that, look, you are enabled, but you are enabled in a different way by God, then that actually boosts their self-esteem and it makes them feel quite confident to face the world out there. Wow. Well, Leleto, you sound like an amazing mom. And I wish all moms were like you, seeing such giftedness in your child and being so willing to fight for your child's needs as well. And I assure you of our prayers on this end that the school will will make the accommodations that they need to make in order for your child to integrate one next year successfully. So thank you very much for this call in. It's been very, very helpful and very enlightening. Thank you, thank you and so, God so bless. much for having me. Bless you. Thank you. So that was Lilletu Williams, who's in, who's come phoning us from the Cape. Um, we're going to move to an ad break briefly, and then we'll come back and have some more people on the show. Yeah. Matins on Sunday, a program of music and words of inspiration every Sunday morning between 6 and 9 o'clock with me, Colin York. The program will include the much-loved and ever-popular O Come, Let Us Sing, half an hour of sacred choral music. Matins on Sunday, only on Radio Veritas, where we bring you the good news and the good music for a change.
Good morning. Melinda, we have you on the line. Hi. Hi, Francis. Welcome to Radio Veritas. Thank you. So, Melinda, I, I know that you also have a, a special needs child. Do you, do you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself and your child, and then we're going to talk a bit about schooling? Yes, that would be great. Firstly, hi, Margot and Valetu. Um, we all know each other as well. We're on a mom's group that supports children that have spina bifida. <laughs> so we all know each other. Great. Um, okay, great. Um, my daughter is Abby. She's now seven years old. She started grade one this year. Um, diagnosed at 20 weeks um, pregnancy with spina bifida. Right. Um, she attends New Hope School in Pretoria. It's one of the largest special needs schools in the country. Okay. And um, the reason that Abby attends New Hope, um, she doesn't really have a... The physical disability that she has is with her bladder. So Abby can walk, and um, she has to catheterize every um, three and a half to four hours. Wow. So she needs assistance with catheterization. Okay. And... Um, Yes, when we were looking at um, creches, it was very difficult to actually find a creche that would have someone be able to help her. And that's when we came across New Hope School. And um, it's the process, as um, the lady said, there are quite, there's quite a waiting list. But um, you know, we, we gave in all our forms and um, had to go through a process of assessment. And Abby has been with New Hope School since... Um, 'cause it makes a lot of sense and I uh, just having having lived through um potty training my own children who didn't need catheterization and having once had to deal with a family member being catheterized, I can only imagine that teaching a child how to catheterize themselves must be an extremely challenging uh process and uh, and it also it makes sense that they've got to be old enough to understand what it is that they're doing first so so that that I mean you just as you talk about this one sees some of the things that you may be dealing with obviously happen in the private sphere, uh, like catheterization, yes. but, but really take the child being old enough to understand what it is that they're doing and why it's important and why they're different. Yes, no, definitely. I mean, she knows everything about her kidneys and her bladder. The urologist actually laughs at times when she comes up with questions about her kidneys and stuff while he's doing sonos. So, <laughs> and they, they are very bright children, um, like Lalette says here, and... Abby's also very bright. She has a very good understanding of, of spina bifida as well. For her age, it's quite amazing. Wow. wow. So that's, that's a real gift that you've helped her to, to grow an awareness of who she is and, and what shapes the person that she is. And, yes, most, most definitely. And again, like Liletu, you're saying, 
although she is currently in um, a special needs school, there will come a time when she needs to integrate into into mainstream schooling and also kind of learn to deal with mainstream world in a way, uh, which is what we do at school. Um, and, and just the challenges of that um, and needing to think about that. And, and I'm really grateful to you for, for calling in because I think one of the things that's really important is raising the awareness of every parent, of every person, to the yes. fact that there are children with special needs and that we all need to be helping our children to be aware of that and sensitive to to different needs and to diversity in our midst. Most definitely. And uh, can I just add two more things? Yeah, yeah sure. Mind? Yep. Um, I just, I just like to say, most definitely, um, as Aletha says, without God's grace, um, nothing would be possible, you know. And that, that has been a, a very, a very present um, need in our lives is, is hope and faith. And then mm-hmm. also, besides the school's accessibility, I'd just like to add that um, parents with children with wheelchairs, walkers, catheterization, we really battle at um, normal facilities in malls with toilets and that type of thing. Okay. So you know, there's baby changing areas, but there aren't for older kids. There aren't changing areas for older kids. So that's one thing to think of as well. Okay, so that's like a, a plea to the general public. Thank you for that. I mean, it's not just schools, but it's every public area that needs to to think through the consequences of the fact that the reality is there are disabled people or the people with special needs in our midst, and we need to think about how we create spaces that work for them, like shopping malls. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Melinda. That's a a very insightful and challenging comment. And hopefully someone's listening to this who knows an architect. Oh, that would be great. And are influenced by our conversation. Thank you very much for chatting to us this morning and good luck. Okay. And thanks for having me on the program. Okay. Thank Thank you. God bless.